0: Let's bring Meredith in. Uh, Meredith, can you help us sort through the the substance of the different options that are on the table? Stephen referred to, again, the terms of the withdrawal agreement, which had to do primarily with uh, the the financial arrangements that would be associated with the divorce, the backstop, uh, status of EU citizens. But uh, but was the political declaration about the future of uh, the UK's relationship Uh, post-Brexit with the European Union. seems to be where much of the action is right now, and there's a variety of options that are on the table. Can you help us sort through what those options are and the implications of each?
1: Sure. So um, just background, just so everyone is, um, we're all on the same page in terms of all this jargon. Um, The single market of the European Union consists of four areas. So there's free-trading goods, free trading services, free movement of people, and free movement of capital or investment. And so, the really thorny thing that has come up time and again is the UK's future trade relationship with the EU. And this has really become problematic because um, Theresa May's government has three objectives that she wants to achieve that are mutually incompatible under any type of standard arrangement we might have. So, Firstly, because of her coalition with um, the Democratic Unionist Party in Northern Ireland, but also, I think, ideologically, she um, wants to maintain an open border with Ireland. So that's part of keeping the United Kingdom united, but also keeping that Good Friday Agreement in place. The Tory government wants the freedom to make create its own independent trade policy for the United Kingdom. That means negotiating agreements with, say, the United States or with China after Brexit. And they also want to, in a pro-business way, minimize time, cost, and disruption of moving goods between the United Kingdom and the European Union. So they want to minimize time at borders, and they want to minimize bureaucratic hassle of going through customs checks. So the way you normally have a trade agreement in the whole world trading system under the WTO or World Trade Organization is you either have a free trade agreement or you have a customs union. A free trade agreement is what the U.S. has with Canada and Mexico. So goods move freely across the or The countries charge no tariffs against one another. But in a free trade agreement, you have to check things as they move across the borders because countries can have different product safety regulations. Um, they could have also imported a lot of the stuff they're selling to from another country. Um, with a customs union, everyone has the same tariff on everything they import from outside the union. And so once you've imported something into Germany, because the tariff in Germany and in France for goods from China is the same, once you've brought a good from Germ- into Germany, say from China, that good can then move on to France or the United Kingdom without further checks. So The problem is that neither of these options will keep the Irish border open and allow the U.K. to conduct its own independent trade policy. So what this has led to is Theresa May, you know, for well over a year has been proposing various budgets to this problem. And one, you know, she comes up with different language, but one was something like we'll have customs partnership, which was essentially a a free trade agreement that was a little bit more like a customs union, she tried, there's been a lot of talk about making a technological and visible border on the island of Ireland. But essentially, none of these really solved the problem. And what the withdrawal agreement and the political declaration said was, well, we, the European Union was quite generous, I think, to the UK and said, look, we understand the UK has all of these issues. They don't really know what they want, whether it's a customs union or free trade agreement. They know they want to keep, you know, the Irish border open. We insist that the Irish border has to stay open. So we will just put in the withdrawal agreement, you know, fine, let's start negotiating. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, it's going to be the case that the border in Ireland has to stay open and that that can only be the case if at some level there's some harmonization of regulation between the U.K. and the European Union. And so that's what's known as Irish backstop. And this idea that at the end of the day, if two years from now, the U.K. couldn't come up with a really satisfactory proposal that would achieve what it wants domestically and also satisfy the European Union's desire for keeping the Irish border open, then the whole thing would sort of basically keep the U.K. in the European Union. And so we've got a lot of of controversy there now. So what... You know, as Stephen, I think, describes quite well, the problem fundamentally comes down to we have different factions in both parties. So both within the Tory party, there are some people who want to leave and some who want to stay, and then within the Labour party, you have people, some who want to stay in the European Union and some who want to leave. Now, um, in terms of what is being proposed, you know, at the last, you know, hour, for a long time it's sort of been assumed because Theresa May had said that the Tory government wanted this customs partnership type free trade agreement style relationship with the European Union, that the UK would not have a customs union with the European Union going forward, and it would have a free trade agreement for goods. And the latest iteration on that is for people to say, well, that, that type of relationship, a free trade relationship, That works to some extent, but if you don't at the same time have, for example, free trading services, the border really gets all gummed up. So what they have in Norway is Norway is what's known as a a member of, it has free trading goods, services, movement of people, and capital. But instead of being part of the customs union, they have a free trade agreement. What that means is that, you know, trucks full of stuff can go from Norway to Sweden um, across the land border, so the services of the trucking is allowed to move between the two countries, and then if Norway wants to go out and negotiate a free trade agreement with the United States or Korea or whoever, they can do that. So, that's one thing that's kind of coming back now is what's known as custom or single market 2.0 or common market 2.0. So this idea of having a Norway agreement with um, the UK basically setting up its policy like Norway, but then people within the UK who, you know, said we really want the UK to leave the European Union argue against that particular model. And they say, well, the, the criticism will levy against the Norwegian model is that we really want to have complete regulatory authority and complete sovereignty over our domestic rules. And when we look at the Norwegian model, we understand that Norway essentially has to take regulatory rules from the European Union. And so that doesn't satisfy us in that regard. And so if Theresa May tries to propose anything like this uh, Common Market 2.0 version that's similar to Norway, you're going to have folks on the hard right of her party saying that doesn't give us enough sovereignty over our regulations so we don't like it. Um, The latest version now with this cross-party talk seems to be, and this is changing so much it's hard to keep track of what's going on, but the latest um, thing to come back is now they're reopening the idea of just using a customs union with the European Union. So the idea is that those in the Labour Party and those in the Tory party who are both moderate sort of pro-business interests who want to keep Um, large manufacturers that trade in goods, so auto manufacturers able to function really effectively, they would support a customs union. If there's a customs union, that immediately solves the problem of keeping the Irish border open because it's going to be much easier to keep that border open if you have a customs union. Um, It's something that say Japanese manufacturers like um, other auto manufacturers, this will make their lives much simpler It's not, um, if you are someone who actually wants to remain in the European Union, it maybe doesn't go far enough because if you don't also have a free trade agreement and services, you won't really get all the benefits. So, for example, if we really wanted to have an open border in Ireland, we want to allow trucks to go back and forth between uh, the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, you know, and those trucking services to move freely there and then, you know, Once you do that, people will say, well, we want trucking services freely moving between, say, the United Kingdom and France and the United Kingdom and Germany. So um, where we are now, I think um, the issue that we have, that Theresa May will have and her party has with the customs union is one of the points ideologically that is very important to the hard right um, Brexit group is they want to be able to go forward and conduct an independent trade policy. And I think this is more of an ideological point with them rather than something about gaining substantive economic benefits. There seems to be a belief that is not necessarily supported by um, empirical analysis that if the UK can go forward and negotiate its own independent trade agreement, it will be able to get certain benefits for itself that are larger than it could get if it just remained within the European Union. And so specifically, there's a, a hope or an idea that if they could go forward and negotiate trade agreements, they would be able to sell a lot of UK services to countries around the world, say banking services or financial services. Um, and the idea there is essentially that their services, they're so, so good at providing these services, that there'll be a lot of demand for them around the world and that loss of the access to the European Union market somehow won't be very damaging. So um, this is all a little bit um, strange, but the, where where they're going forward, there's a huge amount of um, opposition within Theresa May's own party to this type of arrangement. So I'm almost thinking that as I'm explaining things, I might be getting more and more confusing for the audience. Um, (laughs) There's so much stuff um, moving at this point. But I think um, it's very interesting to me that we're now back to the customs union. I would not have thought that this is where um, the U.K. was going to end up because I thought that there was such a strong push from the Tory party to go with um, their own independent trade policy. Ultimately, these negotiations going forward over the next couple of days, though, are really just laying out a vision of where the country is going to go. And so even if within the U.K. government of Theresa May, she gets some cross-party support to pass the withdrawal agreement, any type of decision this cross-party group makes about what they want the vision for U.K. trade policy and their future relationships to be, it's not clear to me how binding it's going to be because this is just the starting point for a negotiation. And at the end of the day, one of the things that's disappointing with the whole series of indicative votes coming out is these all have the the majority, the support for various things going forward is always something like forty percent or where there is a majority, it's a razor thin majority. So there's not a real clear consensus developing around any of these various proposals. Part of the problem is that when we look quantitatively at what are the benefits to be gained from any of the various um, constellations of agreements, you know, we can go back to the UK government published its own report back in November, and all of the, the different policy scenarios being envisioned, whether you did a Norway style arrangement, whether you exited on WTO rules, whether you um, had a very uh tight customs union type agreement, they all basically show that no matter what the UK does, its economic welfare, its GDP will be lower upon leaving the union than if it stayed. And these even some of these scenarios worked in, you know, future trade agreements being formed with third partners. And so that's been very frustrating to those who supported Brexit. I think there's a lack of belief that those estimates that the government produced are are valid, Um, although methodologically it's an extremely sound report um, using very standard techniques, the kind of techniques governments all over the world use when they um, try to forecast trade agreement uh, benefits and costs. So I'll stop there um, and let David continue with some questions.
0: Yeah, that's very helpful Meredith. And actually, let me just have a quick follow up with you to make sure that again we're all following the plot here that some of the discussion in the past week um, Nick Bull's former conservative minister uh now recently resigned from uh, the Conservative Party, uh an advocate of common market 2.0 um and if uh, versus uh other advocates, Kenneth Clark, former chancellor, the exchequer, and his advocacy of a customs union. The government has maintained that the objective of leave voters, and of course we don't know what was in the mind of leave voters, but the government has maintained that the objective was to end labor mobility, to end payments into the European Union's budget, to end the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice, and to be able to pursue an independent trade policy. And it sounds as though uh, uh, Common Market 2.0, the, the Norway-style arrangement that you discussed, uh, would fail on a couple of those counts. It would allow you to pursue an independent trade policy, but in the context of labor being able to move across borders and regulatory continued regulatory alignment essentially becoming a rule taker. And a customs union that that would limit labor mobility would. End payments uh, to the budget. It would end the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice, but would not permit an independent trade policy. Am I getting that right?
1: I I think so. I think the Common Market 2.0. So, um, so I think one of the things here, David, that's actually a bit confusing, is that people keep putting out these various proposals, and so I I think that. Um, If you look at surveys of voters, I think the one thing that the British people seem to have wanted was they did want restrictions on immigration. And exactly Mm -hmm. what they meant by that is not clear. Um, And it's been interpreted, you know, Theresa May interpreted that as, you know, they were really didn't want students coming to study at the universities for a few years. And those had to be current immigrant numbers, which, you know, seems to me that's probably not what people working were worried about. But um, when different things put forth, like Common Market 2.0, there's some question of, well, what exactly does that mean in terms of European labor migration? And does that mean you would um, actually just allow free movement of people? Or would you have something more restricted than what we have now, but still make it very easy for British businesses to bring um, workers in from Europe? So, but I think the basic thing, a customs union, So I think the other thing is you can put a customs, so I think there's some people who want a customs union for trade and goods and free trade and services. So I think there's a lot of business interests in the UK that are desperate for free trade and services because that's one of the big, biggest business lines for the for the country. So... The customs union would probably, I think the most likely they were envisioning that, is it would not allow free movement of people. Um, the common market 2.0, that what they have in a Norway-style arrangement, that does allow for free movement of people. But I think maybe the 2.0 is not to allow as much mobility there as um, Norway has. And In general, across Europe, I think with the rise of populism, the European Union is sensitive to the fact that many... Populations in different parts of Europe are now unhappy about immigration. So it's not just in the UK, but other countries are saying, actually, we're not so keen on having um, so many immigrants coming in. And so this has been a real sore spot, and I think it's something that, for the European Union, on the one hand, they see this as one of the core ideas of the Union is to have free mobility, but on the other hand, um, I could see this being one of the negotiating points where ultimately the European Union is willing to relax on that because it's something that they might see themselves having a hard time enforcing among the other 27 members in the future as countries try to come up with ways to make it trickier for people to actually have that free movement and that there's maybe more restrictions on you know, social service payments, health insurance, these types of things, because different governments are feeling um, unhappiness from their populations about some of these social policy aspects.